Are you ready to perform at your highest potential? Welcome to the Performance Matters Podcast from GP Strategies. In each episode, we'll interview industry experts, exploring best practices and innovative insights to help you and your organization improve performance. I'm your host, Jeremy Shear. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. My guest is Sherry Weppel. She is Senior Director of Learning Strategy and Innovation at GP Strategies. Sherry, thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. So in a minute, we're going to talk about design thinking in the context of technical L&D. But first, tell us a little bit about your background and how and why you became an expert in design thinking. So I have to say I've been addicted to learning for as long as I can remember. Uh, Definitely a big lover of school. Wound up being a school teacher for about seven years, probably the hardest job I've ever had to do teaching middle schoolers. But I've also always been in school. So going through master's degrees and lately some certificate programs, always centered around learning in some way, shape or form. My main reason for focusing on this is that I've also always served a technical workforce as I've been in GP strategies. And so as these new and emerging methods come out, It's been my duty to make sure that we apply these trends appropriately and that they adapt to that technical population who has some pretty specific needs. Mm -hmm. What uh, grades did you teach, by the way? So I taught grade seven art Mm -hmm. for seven years in an inner city. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That that is (laughs) that must have been a challenge. It was definitely a challenge. And it's something that every day, even on the hard day, as you look back and go, at least I wasn't in the classroom today. Mm, Wow. Well, good for you. I mean, certainly good teachers need it. And if you're going to be addicted to something, being addicted to learning is probably a good one. I think so. (laughs) Anyway, okay, well, let's get into our topic. So technical L&D focuses on technology, obviously, but it's changing to become more learner focused. So why is that? And what does it look like in practice? So design thinking and this focus on the learner has really started to come up because the needs of learners are so diverse and changing so much. Specifically in technical R&D, we do have an aging workforce. So that means we have a large population of our learners who are leaving the workforce with this new population of much younger, much more technical savvy learners coming into the fold. And then within that, you have a lot of dynamics of changing technologies and automation and robots and all sorts of exciting things happening with digital transformation that we need to make sure that we're balancing what the learners now need. Uh, The interesting part about design theory, though, is its background is actually in engineering. So every time I hear people talking about design thinking, I think back to the 1950s where there was John Arnold in creative engineering and there was Elbridge Archer in systematic method for designers. Both were mechanical engineers. One was a professor at MIT. And it was a process that focused on inventions. It's lately been applied to business and training, each with different implementations. But it becomes a really critical focus for us because there's completely different steps involved in design thinking from an engineering perspective than there are from a learning and development perspective. And so that's one of the big differentiators that I've had to start to work with our teams on is from an engineering perspective, you start with asking what the problem is because an engineer is always trying to solve a problem. And then you imagine, you plan, you create, you experiment, you improve, you share. But within learning and development, we want to empathize with the learner. Then we want to define, ideate, prototype, and test. So that's more need focus. So that's really been the big differentiator is an engineer, you're focused on a specific problem. And in L&D, you're focused on a need. Right. So what does L&D look like when you apply design thinking to L&D? What does that look like in a technical organization? 
So when you're thinking about that inside of a technical organization, you actually need to make sure that you're looking at both parts of the situation and blending them together. So when you're focused on the needs, you need to empathize with where that learner is at. So whether they're new in the workforce and they're trying to come up to speed with everything that's happening in their environment, whether they're coming to terms with losing parts of their job to automation and how that is changing their world, uh, whether they're seeing a new system being implemented that they need to adapt to, processes that are being changed, especially with our older populations who are maybe getting close to exiting. We need to empathize with the fact of all these new mobile devices and technology that are coming into the world and really start to identify where the true problems lie. So for example, with that technology focus, is the problem or is the solution that you need to focus on focused on implementation of technology itself before you really talk about the task or the skills that they need to, to undertake? Is there a focus on how people use mobile devices and how to operate those specific systems? And is that really what part of the root cause is? Okay. Can you give a specific example, maybe from your experience with, with, you don't have to name the actual company, but sort of what an L&D, a specific initiative or project might look like in a technical organization when you apply design thinking, as opposed to an organization that's less technically focused? Sure. So in a technical organization, you might have an individual who is focused on, we do the design thinking approach with them, and we start to focus on what their needs are. We start to interview them, do a little bit of a day in the life and start to figure out, you know, what are their challenges, what are their needs and where do we need to be able to focus? And so that's that would apply in across both audiences. But so let's say as an outcome of that, we were to determine that they need some additional safety training or they need some additional skills training because they're having a problem with a specific piece of equipment we might jump directly to the solution of implementing some training around that piece of equipment or around that process. Within a technical environment, we actually have multiple audiences that we need to consider. So perhaps it's actually the process that's the problem. And the the learner actually is bringing to light another problem that needs to be solved. So we may need to redesign the process. We may need to de-bottleneck something to make it work more efficiently. There actually may be a problem with the way a piece of equipment is functioning, and so we actually need to work on maintaining that piece of equipment. And so that's the big differences between technical and non-technical is the root cause is not always what it might seem. You really need to focus on not only the needs of the people, but the needs of the processes and the needs of the technology, because those three things work together. Okay, that makes sense. And it sounds like Something that probably is true, whether it's a technical organization or not, is that involving the learner in this process or really talking to the learner and and understanding their needs and concerns is really crucial because you're learning things that otherwise you might not know or, or might miss. Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, if I look back to in the history of my time here and working with customers, typically what had happened in the past is learning and development teams would come together and they'd build this program of what everybody needed to take. You know, whether you liked it or not, whether it helped you or not, whether you needed it or not, you were going to take that based on what some panel of stakeholders might believe. Then you start to look at the return on your investment. You start to look at whether people actually were able to take away what they wanted to or or enjoyed or were helped by that learning. And you weren't seeing the results that you wanted to because we weren't taking into mind what the learner actually needed. And so now we're finding ourselves listening to these learners because especially the younger generations coming in are a lot more vocal, I think, too. 
we're in a society now where it's okay to raise your needs and it's okay to talk about these things. And so I think now we're, we're starting to adjust to that in learning development and take their needs into account. It's going to give us much more impactful solutions in the end. Yeah. And I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but with the younger generation of learners, you're also having people who are used to just going to YouTube if they want to learn something in the moment, very specifically focused on whatever the problem is, rather than having to wade through like an hour long program that has nothing to do with what they're actually trying to learn. Exactly. I mean, and that is definitely something that comes up in the technical environments as well. You know, we would have learners who don't want to have to do that. It's actually given us some really good solutions that we can put in place. Like if these learners have mobile devices, we can just simply have them scan a QR code on a piece of equipment and up pops multiple videos on how to operate that equipment or how to complete a specific process. Uh, You know, we've moved much more to those tiny video snippets rather than having this big written procedure or a 30 minute module that somebody might have to complete because ultimately, They need something in that moment and need to do their job and then to move on to the next task. Right. So now technical organizations are usually pretty process oriented and they're focused on being faster and simpler and more efficient. So in your experience, how does design thinking help organizations like this, help technical organizations achieve these things? So there's a couple of different ways. One of the biggest challenges in a technical organization is time. Time is generally speaking not on our side when it comes to implementing some sort of training solution in a couple of different ways. So one is if we're implementing a new process, if we're implementing a new line in a, in a manufacturing facility, there's rarely budget for training. Training is sometimes an afterthought. So oftentimes you'll just use whatever, whatever came with the manufacturer of the equipment and hope and hope that that's for the best. Um, The other thing is, is that oftentimes those schedules slip so much that then once everything is in place and ready to go live, there's not enough time to train individuals. So one of the concepts that has been really helpful from a design thinking perspective is that prototype concept. So we can definitely take into effect the learner's needs and, and go through that whole ideation process. But those prototypes can actually be used to support that go live initiative. You know, you can use a more minimal viable product, make sure that everything is functioning the way that it needs to train those individuals up in a very, very quick fashion. And then once everything is up and running, then you're able to finalize the materials for a more long, long-term solution. The other thing that's great is that oftentimes once something does go live inside a manufacturing facility, there's going to be changes that come down the line. As you start to operate it for a bit, you might tweak and change things here and there to help optimize and help improve things. So again, having that prototyped sort of solution that's not really finalized or polished yet gives you that opportunity to to still make those changes in a very malleable sort of solution. And then once you're at a point where you feel as if it's ready to go, then you can start to finalize it. But again, you've gone through this much more malleable process to be able to edit things on the fly. You know, it's not that adding model waterfall approach where you having these long different phases that you have to go to to get to something that's actually usable. You have something that's fairly usable early on in the process, and that's been incredibly helpful. The other thing is, is there's just so much knowledge that these learners have to have at any given point in time that knowing what they need and when they need it has been incredibly helpful as well. It helps us prioritize what training we do. It helps us prioritize how we do that training. So again, like the QR codes and the videos, whether it be something that, you know, instead of health and safety training being this big, robust program that they have to complete once a year, maybe it's those smaller health and safety minutes. 
maybe it's something after there's an incident that occurs or a near miss that occurs that you do those kind of in in the moment types of trainings. Those are a lot of the benefits that we have by not only listening to our learners, but having a much more process that has the ability to blend and change and, and mold as we need it to during the design process. Right. So what are some of the biggest challenges of applying design thinking for a technical audience? So the first is exactly what I had gone into before is defining which design thinking we're talking about. So this is actually something that happens quite common in learning and development is there's a word or a phrase that's used somewhere else in industry or somewhere else in the world. We ran into this with digital transformation as well. So digital transformation means something much different when you're working in a technical organization than it does in learning and development. They have the same background. They have the same, there's a common thread that ties them together. But the depth and the complexity of what we're talking about is different. So when you're working with, a lot of times we are working with engineers as our subject matter experts and as our customers. So making sure that we define when we're talking design thinking, what kind of design thinking we're talking about and how we're implementing that. So that as we get into those different stages, they don't look at that and kind of scratch their head and go, why aren't we asking what the problem is first? If they're more used to that style of design thinking. The other part is the managing those different audiences. So when you go to this much more needs-based approach, how you handle whether that need is actually, I hate to say it, but not a real need at all. So the learner might think that they need something, but again, it might be a process that needs to be changed, not additional training. It might be a problem with a specific piece of equipment, not something that they need from a training perspective. So balancing out all of those different forms of data um, and being able to still give the learner something that they need and make it very learner-centric. Mm, that's interesting. So it sounds like getting information from learners is key to design thinking. It's more complicated than just taking whatever a learner might tell you and implementing it, obviously, right? It's because the learner only knows what they know, and they probably don't know what they don't know. Exactly. I mean, and, and a lot of times it takes a lot of different parties and different individuals to get that mind share together. You know, you might have the maintenance team who's really focused on, you know, asset performance management and ensuring that everything is running to its optimal performance. And you might have another, you know, your health and safety team who's focused on those processes and procedures and making sure that everything is compliant. And then you might have the L&D department who's focused on, well, all of those audiences need to talk together and make sure that everything is running smoothly. I mean, one of the common phrases that I've used a couple of times already is people, processes, and technology. And that's something that a lot of people in the technical industries talk about because it is those three things together that work. So we often, I think I wrote a blog last year sometime where we actually talked about the equipment almost as if it's a human because it has its own set of needs that need to be taken care of as well, not just the human. And it's funny because from a learning standpoint, when you're talking to L&D, they have a tendency to just think about those humans. And when you're talking to the manufacturing side of things, they have a tendency to focus mostly on that equipment. And so sometimes in L&D, and a technical L&D expert needs to be the one who pulls those two factions together to have them work towards getting the optimal solution. Yeah, right. That makes sense. So if I'm in charge of L&D at a technical company and I want to implement design thinking, but it's a new thing in the organization, what are some examples of effective strategies for initiating that? So one thing that I've learned has worked really well in technical organization is seeing is believing. So not coming up with a new strategy and trying to talk about that new strategy, but really showing how it would work. 
So oftentimes when we want to make that impact, because you have to also remember that when you're speaking with these stakeholders, oftentimes training is not the first thing on their agenda. Sadly, it's it's the third, fourth, fifth, or sixth thing on their agenda. So there's not usually a whole lot of budget. There's not usually a whole lot of time dedicated. It's something that people know needs to get done. But I've talked to a lot of our technical L&D clients, and they get, they're very challenged with helping kind of break through that mindset in the, in the actual technical workforce. So having something that's an example is often very helpful to show how it can get you through the process, but also those, the case studies and the differentiators on here's how it's going to benefit you and making sure that it's actually getting to the sticky points that they needed to get to. So the faster speed to market, the, you know, getting there, the quicker return on their investment having something that's more adaptable to change, having something that is going to be relevant and very sticky for their learners. And so their learners are going to appeal and, and take that training because sometimes getting them to take the training is a challenge as well. So those are all things that should be a part of that whole pitch that you take if you want to start doing design thinking inside of your technical organization. Yeah, it sounds like maybe another way of putting it is that you need to demonstrate value right off the bat. You do. You absolutely do. I mean, value is at an absolute premium with how tight budgets run anymore. And so demonstrating not only the value of what it is that you can provide, but how it can actually save money in the long run, how it can save time in the long run, it really comes down to time and it comes down to getting speed to results. Yeah. So Sherry, what are the top two or three things that you want listeners to take away from this discussion? So making sure that you define that process that you're using so that you're on the same page with your subject matter experts. So when you say design thinking, don't assume that everybody knows what you're talking about. Walk through those different steps and talk really about what it means. I have to also say that when you're working with a technical workforce, starting with the word empathize, you might hit a little bit of resistance because it's just not a common vernacular that they might use. So explaining what that means, not being afraid to tweak that verbiage a little bit so that it adapts a little bit more to that population, making sure that you're gathering your whole audience. So making sure that you have a cross section of the humans and the technology and the processes, but also a nice cross section of people as well. So different ages, different skill sets, different backgrounds, because with technical skills that can really dramatically change what that learner profile and learner need set looks like. Allow those prototypes to be used to go live if you need to, um, knowing that, especially when implementing a new process, those changes will always occur. So don't feel as if something has to be finished. To use that concept of a minimal viable product in your vernacular of something that we can use, we can get it to go live, we can get everybody up to speed, get everything up and running. And then once it's stable, then we can work to finalize and formally implement the solution. Great. Well, Sherry, thank you so much for sharing your insights and for a great discussion. Thank you so much for having me. The Performance Matters Podcast is brought to you by GP Strategies. Together, we can create a world where business excellence makes possibilities achievable. You can subscribe to the show anywhere you get podcasts and listen on our website at gpstrategies.com slash podcasts.